Please stand as you are able for today's lesson from the book of Exodus, chapter 20, verse 12, and also Ephesians, chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Honor your father and your mother so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And then from Ephesians, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and in instruction of the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, grace and peace to each of you this morning. It's so good to be with you on this rainy Sunday morning. Uh, many of you know I love rainy days and Sundays when they collide because it's such a reflective, meditative time to share in God's word and to praise and worship together. Uh, we're grateful that you're here, and I want to add my word of greeting to that of Jonathan uh, to our online community. It's a great joy to be with you, and it means a lot. Uh, you're probably sitting in the front of a, a fireplace somewhere enjoying the warmth of that, and we welcome you, and it's a great honor to share and worship with each of you. Uh, Jonathan, thank you for your prayer this morning. Thank you for leading us and Sharon for reading for us. That's a perfect text for Sharon Cox, who is a reconciler uh, by trade, and we're grateful to you and to our musicians. I love this is our father's world. This is my father's world. What a wonderful way to begin uh, with the orchestra. Uh, I just feel like today is a day that everything that has breath is praising God today. We look forward to more music to come. I also want you to know that the reading plan, we're reading the scripture through in the year of 2023, and just across the North Acts, we do have, uh, as has been mentioned, these, uh, the February list of scripture readings. So we hope you'll join us in reading the scripture sequentially through uh, in the year of 2023. You've done well. If you're a little bit behind, it's all right. You can catch up with us, and we hope that you'll join us in this important endeavor. If you're visiting with us today, you've caught us right in the middle of a series on the Ten Commandments, or as we often refer to it, the Decalogue, the Ten Rules, in a series called Written in Stone. These directives, these instructions are divvied up, divided up into two sets or two tablets, if you will. The first set of four commandments concern our relationship to God, and we've talked about all four of those. No other gods before me. No graven images or idols. No misusing the name of God. No profaning the name of God. And then last week we talked about the fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. All four of those concern our relationship to God. But the second set concern our relationship to one another. In fact, it's interesting that the sequence of the second set along with the first set kind of follow the great commandment that Jesus taught us in Matthew 22. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so what Jesus is doing in Matthew 22 is he's essentially reducing the 10 rules to two rules. 
and one flows out of the other. Love of neighbor follows love of God. But what you notice in the scripture, Sharon, that you read for us is that the highest priority of the second set focuses on the most basic unit of human civilization, namely the family. The word used to characterize family is kind of an old fashioned word. We don't hear it much these days. In fact, it smells a little bit like cedarwood and mothballs. It's the word honor. In Hebrew, kabed, which literally means something that's heavy or weighty, something of great import. So for example, when you say of a friend, their, their word carries great weight with me, what you're actually saying is that he or she is a person of honor, that they're honorable. The opposite of that Hebrew word, kabed, is kalel, Q-A-L-A-L, which literally means to treat lightly or to treat shabbily with contempt. It's interesting that in the ancient world of Israel, this command was so serious, so crucial, that the violation of it was considered a capital crime. Exodus 21, 17, anyone who dishonors father or mother must be put to death. And I thought time out was tough. <laughs> this is serious. There is an example, a classical example in Luke 15 of Kalel, treating someone lightly. You know it as the gospel in miniature. It's the prodigal son, Luke 15. A man has two sons, the younger of which comes to the dad one day with a very bizarre request. He says to his dad, dad, give me my share of the estate. In other words, I want what's coming to me. I want my inheritance now. His three favorite words were me, mine, and now. He was a baby boomer born out of season. <laughs> Ordinarily, the will isn't read until after the eulogy, but this kid's in a hurry. He can't and won't wait. And in essence, what he's saying to his father is this, Dad, you're worth more to me dead than alive. He's dissing his family. And you know the rest of the story. The father grants the request and the boy winds up penniless and destitute in a far country feeding pigs, which is about as low as a Jewish boy can go. But his demise didn't begin in the pig pen. His downfall began when he dissed his father in his own house. By the way, kabed, honor, works both ways. It's interesting, Sharon, you read it in Paul's letter, picking up on, on the fifth commandment in Ephesians 6. He adds to it this little P.S. Dads, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Why didn't he say mother? Because it's a patriarchal society. The dad has all the power. And he's saying, use it with humility and restraint and discipline. Domestic dishonor is not just a threat to the home. It's a danger to the community. 
Ezekiel knew this, the prophet of Israel, 6th century BC. Ezekiel saw dishonor as the origin of social disorder. In fact, he writes of his own time in Ezekiel 22, verse 6, of what's happening. Father and mother are treated with contempt among you. The alien residing within you suffers extortion. The orphan and the widow are wronged by you. And what he's saying is dishonor at home winds up putting the whole nation at risk. I know what you're thinking. I've been thinking about it all week of our neighbors to the west of us in Memphis, Tennessee. I've been thinking about Tyree Nichols' mother, for example, who stood before a camera and said, I do want justice for my son, but I also want us to pray for the family of the officers who beat him. Someone told me after the 8.30 service, she works for our bank, our branch in Memphis, and we don't know her very well, but her friends, our neighbors there, tell us she's the real thing. In the midst of dishonor, this woman of honor. I've been thinking about the family of Caitlin Kaufman, who's having to relive this trial of two years ago when, when their daughter, who works at St. Thomas Ascension, 26 years old, on her way home on I-440, is gunned down for no reason. And I've been thinking lately about how cheap and disposable and dishonorable, how, how shabbily we treat sometimes our neighbor. I'm gonna preach on the sixth commandment next week, thou shalt not kill. And of course, the positive of that is thou shalt do whatever's necessary to promote life. Well, to be sure, there is and always has been, I think, an implicit tension between generations. That's why this fifth commandment is so important. Some of you remember the term that was coined in the 60s, the generation gap, by John Poppy, who was the editor of Look Magazine. And as soon as I say Look Magazine, you have to be 55 to know what that is. He said in that article where he coined the term, there is a substantive divide in politics, tastes, mores, especially music, and virtually everything between young and old. And I noticed in that old article, he includes people in the old categories, anyone over 30. Ouch. We had our lead team staff retreat last week, and, and we were studying the book of Ezra, chapter 3. It's, it's in the back of your Bible. It still has glue on the pages because you haven't opened it yet. It, it's Ezra 3, and the context in Ezra is the Jewish exiles have just returned home to Jerusalem after seven decades, 70 years in Babylon. And one of the first things they do when they get back to Jerusalem, of course, is to rebuild the temple. And after they construct it, we're told in Ezra 3 that at the consecration service, verse 12 says, many of the priests and Levites and heads of the family, older folk, wept aloud when they saw the new temple. And I think, why did they weep over the new temple? They wept because it wasn't the old temple. <laughs> 
The younger folk had no memory of the old temple. They were born in Babylon. But the older folk lamented because it wasn't like the one they remembered. It's nostalgia and it's a natural tension. In fact, you may not know this, but when BUMC relocated from Church Street just down the road to 309 Franklin Road, in 1971, we built the sanctuary that is now the chapel, but did you know that it was not a unanimous vote? In fact, I'm told that we voted to relocate 51 to 49, but everyone made the march. I don't know why it is, but sometimes we, and I include myself in this, who are older, look down on those who are younger because I don't know if you've noticed, they don't do things like we do. They don't do things like we did. And my son said to me one day, Dad, I noticed that whenever you begin a conversation by saying back in my day, that what comes next is utterly unhelpful. <laughs> and his mother said, amen. I mean, y'all remember family reunions. You remember when you used to get together and eat barbecue with half your family and, and somebody would start, well, back in my day, we had to walk six miles to get to school. And then someone would say, oh, you had school? We didn't have any school. We just walked all day in circles <laughs> in the dirt. Another would say, oh, you had dirt? You were lucky. We walked on nails. And the competition starts for who had it more rough than somebody else. On the other hand, I've noticed that some in the younger generation, some among the youth look at the world as though everything that happened before they came along is completely irrelevant. It is ancient history. Suffice it to say, it, there's always been tension. And I think Spurgeon was right on target when he said every generation needs regeneration. Every generation needs spiritual renewal. But whether intentional or accidental, I, I sometimes condescend to those behind us or ahead of us. And so do you. I'm thinking today about Julie Littlejohn. You remember Julie? She was 96 when she died on November the 2nd, 2022. What a wonderful woman. Her grandchildren called her Babu. And I remember before the service, I was talking with Julie's oldest granddaughter, now aged about 30, who shares her name. I asked this granddaughter about her relationship with her grandmother, and she said something profound. And I want to share it with you. She said, Pastor Babu never imposed her way of life on us. She let us be ourselves. She entered into our world without trying to turn our world into hers. She asked more questions than she gave answers, and she remained curious about life. And for some reason, she seemed as interested in learning from us as we were in learning from her. In short, she said, Babu honored us for who we are, and consequently, we're devoted to her. That little conversation in the narthex reminded me of two passages of Scripture. Leviticus 19.32. Rise in the presence of the aged. Show respect for your elders. For when you do, you revere God. 
And 1 Timothy 4.12, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set them an example by doing good in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. For by so doing, you honor God. I gotta tell you, one of the things I love about this church, and they are many, is that we have seven different generations among us, seven. I'm so grateful that we're not all boomers. I'm so thankful that we're not all millennials that we're not all silent generation. I, I'm, we even have some of the greatest generation here, but I'm grateful that we're not all Gen, Gen Y or Gen Z or Gen Alpha or Gen whatever you call it. We're not all 30-something and 70-something. We don't discount those behind us or ahead of us. We have our gaps, yes. But even in those gaps, there's honor in this house. We can disagree without disrespect. And that's a sign of the Spirit of God. Bob Goff in his book, Love Does, says this, love does not dishonor others. Indeed, he says, the way that we treat the people we disagree with the most is a report card on our faith. Two or three things I want to mention before we finish. I think it's also important to note that The fifth command is the only one of 10 that contains a promise. Notice again, honor your father and mother. Here's the promise. So that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. What does that mean? It means that the durability and stability of the social order depends on our respect generationally. There's something else that warrants our attention, I think. This command in its original context was not primarily addressed to little kids in relationship to their parents, though certainly that's applicable. No, in its given context, it was addressed to adult children in regard to their aging parents. In other words, in caring for our loved ones in their later years, we're not simply extending their well-being We're extending ours. You say, how is that possible? Well, as we honor our loved ones, little eyes are watching. (laughs) Little ears are listening, observing, learning. And such respect becomes cyclical because you're modeling for future generations. Finally, there's one other thing I want you to notice. And that is in comparison. In the New Testament, Jesus redefines family. Jesus expands, he enlarges our idea, our concept of family. And you see this in Mark chapter three. According to Mark three, Jesus had recently relocated to Capernaum, which was located on the Via Maris, a Roman road that was a strategic place for ministry. He had relocated from his hometown of Nazareth to Capernaum, which in the first century was radical for a Jewish firstborn son to leave home, to leave the care of his family. In fact, there were some in his synagogue who saw his relocation as a violation of the fifth commandment. 
Some of his siblings even thought, according to Mark 3, that their brother was off his rocker. And so Mary and family came to Capernaum to take Jesus home. You remember he was bunking with Simon Peter. Some of you have been there and seen the insula where Simon Peter lived. Place was packed with people, crowds who came to hear his teaching, to be touched by his hand. And the disciples looked out the window and they saw Mary and the family approaching the house as though they were on a mission, and they were. So they did what you should do. They notified their teacher. Master, they said, your mother and brothers and sisters are outside and they're looking for you. They're asking for you. And then Jesus responds in in a weird way. Who is my mother? Who are my brothers and sisters? And then he answers his own question. You're my family. He pans the room. He says, you're my mother. You're my brothers. You're my cousins. You're my uncles. Whoever, listen, whoever does the will of my father, you're my people. Jesus wasn't dissing his kinfolk. He's enlarging the idea of family. That it's not just about biology. It's not about chemistry. It's not, it's not about ethnicity. It's certainly not about race. It's about obedience. It's about accountability. It's about ethics. Whoever does the will of God. And I can tell you this for sure. It is God's will that we honor each other. That's what it means to be family. Later, the apostle Paul would say the exact same thing. The same word that characterizes our family relationships is to distinguish our fellowship in the house of God. Romans 12:10, Paul speaking, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, honor one another, and this is hard, above yourselves. Someone told me recently, they read that we cannot think more than 30 seconds about someone else without thinking about me. Above yourself, there it is, kabed. You are of great weight to me, to God, to each other. And when that defines community, it'll change the world. It will be infectious and contagious outside these walls. Last word. A few weeks ago, Coach Tim Corbin came to a funeral here. Some of you know Coach Corbin, two-time national championship baseball team, Vanderbilt University. Tim, Coach, came to a funeral here, funeral for Jackie Postel. We've talked about Jackie. All of you know she was a unique individual She was a person who could gain entrance to any venue in the world and did. She was in many ways special. And somehow she found her way into Coach Corbin's office and into his heart. I remember one night watching the Vanderbilt World Series. They were in the World Series and and the, the camera panned the stands and all of a sudden there's Jackie sitting in the VIP section. And I looked at my wife and I said, how on earth does that happen? 
And she says, you know. She marched right up to Coach Corbin's office and demanded the tickets. And she got them. He gave them. He made sure on his nickel, she was at the SEC tournament in Hoover, Alabama. She went to Omaha, Nebraska to the World Series on his nickel. She had a parking place where the family parks at Hawkins Stadium. They became friends. Coach Corbin came to the funeral. He came a little early for the reception and then he stayed for the service and then out in the columbarium. I mean, he was one of the last to leave. And he, he wrote me a note the next day, an e-note, and he said something at the end of that note that, that sticks with me. I told my team recently after practice about Jackie. I told my players that what made her so special to me was that she cared enough about me to share with me the things that were important to her. Things that she thought would make me a better coach. <laughs> and you know, he said, it did. And it does. And I honor that, signed, coach. That's what family does. It's all about honor. Honor each other above yourselves because when you do, you honor God. May it be so in this house, in your house, and in our community to the glory of God. Amen.